Welcome back. Joining me now to unpack the day's markets action, David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Caroline Kremen from AdviceWorks. Thank you so much to the both of you for joining us. Let's actually start off with the Fed. I mean, just when you think that Fed officials cannot get any more hawkish, comes in James Bullard, who says that for Fed monetary yeah. policy to actually make a significant impact on taming inflation, mm -hmm. the Fed funds rate would need to be between 5 and 7%. <laughs> David, what have you made of the comments coming out of those policymakers? He's, he's a politician. And I, whenever I look at him, I, I, I have a view that he's placing himself for a big position. Therefore, he wants to be in the limelight. He wants to make these statements. Him and Neil Kaskari and that, you can see, these are political animals. And every time the market sentiment picks up, you can bet Bullard's <laughs> going to come out with something that's going to attract his attention to the media and do something, you know. So, he, you know, you know it's going to happen. Always. And uh, so I think the market's brushed to the side, you know, just we're, we're stronger today. I think uh, there are concerns, but just I promise you, every time the market shows some kind of strength, yeah. you can bet Bullard's going to keep increasing the ante from side to seven to nine to 12 yeah. to 15, whatever it is. So don't take it seriously. Yeah, and that's the thing. Before he spoke, I mean, we're on the fact that I know it's going to peak at like 5%. Now he's going in no. for 7 going in for the kill. Um, no. <laughs> Caroline, what is, what's been your take out of these comments this week? So I'm probably more of a Bullard follower than, than David Cleary is because <laughs> <laughs> he is a bit of a prophet of doom, but he's been relatively much more correct than all of the more dovish members of, of the Fed committees. So, you know, yes, I agree, he has a personality, but I think we need to take cognizance of the fact that that could very well be true. I mean, he is not talking from a lack of experience. And if what he says is true, you know, this current happiness that we're seeing in the market is going to come unstuck very, very, very quickly. Um, so I do think the end of the year, the Fed meeting on the 13th and the 14th is really going to be critical because at that point, they will have had enough information to kind of see the trend. It's also at that point in the year where they publish economic statistics. Yeah. So I think right now the market is is pricing in 50 basis points despite Mr. Bullard. But I think the problem is, is that if they go 75 basis points because they have to, we're going to, we're not going to have a happy year end. I think yeah. that's the nicest way to put it. Yeah. If the Fed actually decides, yeah, David. Uh... No, no, just I think taking what the big debate now is and what the big worry is uh, whether this completely kills growth. And there's a very good article I was reading, and it's a Business Day article by Brian Cantor, who I like very much and follow. And it's 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 worth a read about inflation and the signs that are coming down. And I think there's there is the concerns now that the you know the Fed is going into overkill. And I think you have to go back a year ago where um, where Powell had lost credibility. I I don't think he was wrong. I think that circumstances at that stage. Uh, favored him or, um, you know, he was he was adjusting or he was making comment according to what was happening there. No one knew that Putin was going to invade Russia and things would be turned upside down. Oh. And but but uh, now the worry is that he's doing this to, um, you know, to regain credibility and is going for overkill. So 
we're, I think the markets are very nervous that, that perhaps as well this can be a little too much, too fast, and so on. And that's why I get, I get anxious when Bullard comes and says, <laughs> just, you know, just cool down, just stay calm. Yeah. Stay calm, you know. Mm-hmm. Just sticking with you, David, I mean, you talk about how they, the Fed now could be going into overkill and they mm. could get to a point where they break the economy. But do you know who refuses to be killed? The U.S. consumer. Um, you had Walmart. Home Depot coming in with good results. Of course, we did have that uh, sourness coming out from Target. Yeah. But what are you making of the U.S. consumer right now? And if these numbers coming from Walmart and Home Depot okay. were a surprise? Okay, let's see what happens next fri- Thursday and Friday. It's Black Friday. Okay. I think it's going to be a very vital sign. But even so, even if the consumer is spending, um, it's inflation that we're worried about and how that's you know, how mm-hmm. that's coming through in prices. And I think most of the data actually does point towards, uh, you know, reduced spending. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a very important, you know, vital sign what happens next Friday and, uh, you know, how robust this demand yeah. is. So let, let's see. But, um, yeah, yeah, you know, that's where the dilemma in the U.S. economy is. Yeah. But um, anyway. Yeah. So that that's... I'm going with Carol. I'm starting to talk too much now, but I mean, with, Caroline, <laughs> with Caroline's right, I think we've got to we've got to look at the the data at the end of the yeah. year. I'm worried that they're just doing they're pumping the, you know, pumping too many too many drugs uh, into this uh, uh, into this economy. Caroline, um, early on you said that this happiness in the market could really be unstuck if the Fed actually does decide to go the way that James Bullard seems to um, think that the Fed mm. could go in. And I'm wondering because lately um, we have seen a kind of theme where investors have moved from value to growth. So could we see a shift mm. in that theme come December? Look, I don't think they're going to switch that fast. Um, if you're looking at retail investors, yes, they do kind of waver between one one thing and another but institutional investors and David can butt in here is they tend to kind of play it safe over that last month uh, they don't make massive changes in their portfolio allocations they do that in January uh, so I don't think there's that going to be that swing the problem is you do have relatively lower volumes you know so um, you know so any type of sentiment can really overswing it one way or another so people need to be aware of that and just on you know that any potential downswing um, you know, I think right now where people have kind of got terms of inflation rates and they really are assuming that interest rates are going to, you know, be a little bit more benign than we thought mm. they were going to be a few months ago. And any sign that that is not the case, whether it's justified or not by by the statistics, is, is again, it's going to be going to give lots of volatility on the market on the yeah. downside. All right, not a lot of uh, corporate news happening out today, but I actually want to look at the week ahead. So I want you guys to help me with some of the results um, that, I'll be, that I'll be having interviews for PPC, Netcare, and Astral Foods. Just a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Of course, PPC, uh, they had a trading statement uh, out mm-hmm. a few days ago, kind of yeah. a mixed bag with hyperinflation mm-hmm. hurting their earnings in Zimbabwe, talking about uh, d- d- demand oh, wow. in South Africa and Botswana, not really that great. Um, demand quite supportive in Zimbabwe. Um, and then you have Astral Foods that had a terrible uh, trading update last month. The share price sank like 18%. Um, talking about extraordinary input costs that they're seeing 
in the future. Um, and then you have Netcare that came out to the trading statement yesterday, seeming that their earnings are quite good, maybe a little bit better than Life Healthcare. Um, David, pick one. Caroline, pick one. David, what do you want to... In fact, I was looking at Netcare yeah. uh, because Life Healthcare also came out uh, with, their, with their numbers. And I looked at the chart because it, it goes from the top left-hand corner to the bottom right. And it just keeps going down and down, you know. And yeah. literally, I and I've got nothing against the business at all because, yeah. um, I, you know, it's a good company, it's a well-run business. But I don't know where the drivers are. I don't know. And Life Healthcare, just while we're on it, you know, uh, having brought it, it's the same thing. You know, you know, yeah. we keep looking for this company to do things. We just keep looking for a turnaround. You know, after COVID, and it's not coming. Yeah. So I think both of those I'm, I'm a bit cautious of. By cautious, I mean it, it's it's not going to spring to life. Mm. You know, it's just going to bumble along sideways, Ooh. and that chart is is going to continue just drifting nowhere. Yeah. So I, I'm indifferent, and you know we're losing Mediclinic. So um, yeah. yeah. So that that one I'm indifferent. So I'll hand over to Caroline. Yeah. Uh, but just <laughs> on that, maybe David, because I mean you're talking about bumbling along that we're not seeing extraordinary numbers. But I'm thinking you look at Life Healthcare and they are really diversifying their portfolio. You have mm. that imaging business. Mm. So mm. maybe that's where the growth mm. is going to come from. Um. It, Ka- yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, that is right by by the diversification into that yeah. into diagnostics could be, but yeah. it doesn't happen. Mm. They keep telling us it's going to happen. What I'm trying to say, doesn't happen. Let's wait for it. Let's wait for it. Caroline, what do you want to go with? Well, I'm going to go with Astral because I thought this was the most interesting trading update that I've actually read yeah. um, this year, and and I think what what I found really interesting was the fact that it was really so negative in the commentary of what's going forward. I think we have not yet in South Africa seen that food price inflation comes through yet. Uh-huh. And one of the reasons is because of things like companies like Astral, they've actually been subsidizing. Yeah. And, you know, they make it very clear that they cannot continue into perpetuity to do that. And what I would be really interested to know is where these prices are going to be for the consumer once they stop doing that and what the potential implication is actually going to be because it's going to place an enormous i think i can't under you know overstress the importance of of something like this to to the south african economy and and to and to you know the poor Mm -hmm. you know and you know the you know the low middle income of 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 south africa how important the chicken prices Yeah. And, and and certainly they're just a reflection of what is happening in that food commodity space. So yeah. I think it is very dire and I would just love to see where 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 they see it. I don't want to hear any talk about tariffs because yeah. you know, yeah. and there's a story that has become very, very boring. Just tell me what your numbers are, where it's gonna land up and yeah. what you think the implications are going to be. All right. I think it's an interesting discussion for Indeed, yeah. indeed. I'll definitely be asking him about how much they've had to subsidize and what they're looking at when it comes to future price increases to consumers. All right, let's get to your stock picks. David. I'm, I'm, I'm always offshore, but I'm going for Honeywell. And the reason is, I think I, I love the company in the sense of what it does. And it's in software and it makes all fancy materials. It's in aerospace. But it's the kind of company that why I pick it up, and I, I can't really go into it in great detail now because I would always have to read off a list, you know, what they do. It's very, very sophisticated. Yeah. But it's a kind of business that is really well-placed for where the global economy is going, which is really 
around electronics, you know, around software uh, in, in, um, in, in certain areas, in buildings, electrification and so on. Yeah. So it's not going to blow the lights out. That's the kind of company in a difficult environment. But it's just one, it's going to be one of these steady performers over the next five years. Yeah, steady, so, Eddie. Yeah, I like Honeywell, yeah. All right. Uh, Caroline, on your side? I'm going to pick ASML. It's a company I picked uh, a few years back. It is a Dutch company and it makes the machines that manufacture semiconductors. It is really a leader in its field. There, there is no other company in the world that can produce machinery which can produce those very ultra-thin um, semiconductor chips that are used in more sophisticated, um, you know, items, yeah. things like your artificial intelligence and, um, you know, your your smart motors and, and, and things like that. They have an order backlog that leads into 2024. And unlike the rest of, you know, the semiconductor sector, you know, they're not seeing orders being cut back because of the time it actually takes to deliver those machines. Yeah. So it is a company of the future. It is, I would say it's almost a monopoly and the the intellectual property and, and tech in that company far exceeds anything else any part of the world can offer. All right, well, thank you very much for your time and for your insights, guys. That was David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Caroline Kremen from AdviceWorks.